Okay, everybody, welcome back to Talk of the Now podcast with Gene. It's great to be here today with you. And we're back again with Jason once again, as usual. What's up, Jason? Hey, not much, man. Hey, not much, man. How's your day going? All right. Yeah. Anything new and yeah. exciting this week going on with you? No, not really. No, not really. Well, I, all right. Well, all right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Talk the Night. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That was interesting. All right, everybody. Great to be here and um, drive safe and um, uh, don't go loco. <laughs> uh, so, um, what was you told me something last week that you had bought or something at the end of that? And I can't remember what it was. And I was just trying to remember what it was. All right, when the thing that I said, what's your newest thing that you've been getting into? I can't remember what it was you said. Anyway, huh. anyway, hmm. so I have um, a topic for us today. Yeah. Huh? I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you were kind of doing that thing where the, the phone can go. Rah. Yeah, no, that's the problem with being up here. I got to go back downstairs. <laughs> It's just not working out. Okay. For those on the audio, Jason is now walking you downstairs. That's part of the entertainment yeah, value, Jason. Um, all right, going into the dock. Going into the dock of the bay. All right, so I have this, um, before right. we get to my topic for the day, I, um, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I come up with these ideas. I get these ideas, man. You know what I mean? Like, Get these, get these thoughts and things that I think could improve the world. And so, or maybe improve okay. it for somebody. So here's, here's my crazy thought. Right. Yep. You think about, um, medieval times, the restaurant slash. Oh, just, okay. Like that, medieval time restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Not the historical period. Um, yeah. Like oh. a restaurant. <laughs> Like medieval times, I've been there. You've been there. There's a place in Pigeon Forge called Dixie Stampede. At least there used to be. Um, now it's similar, called Stampede. Oh, it's just called the Stampede. Yeah, because uh, it cancel culture. Oh yeah, the Dixie thing. Um, but uh, anyway, you go in there and you get to see a show and you eat like a hearty meal and that kind of thing. Yep. All right, so here's my crazy idea, and I don't think they'll go for it, but <laughs> I think it would be a huge money maker. And I don't right. know why these people aren't doing this. Disney, um, Star Wars, Harry Potter. Why haven't they done that? Why haven't they come up with a model like that where you put them in like you put them in cities like Houston, New York, San Diego, Colorado? They're like a restaurant themed like experience like a medieval times where you go there and you know it's like you know it's like a star wars adventure like you're going in there and you walk through this like tunnel or whatever and there's stormtroopers that are you know workers well, there and you know it's it, it not it wouldn't be bringing disney for or star wars you know that's thing nowadays but yeah or whatever it wouldn't be bringing that directly it'd be like an experience i, I just think it'd be huge well, like you I'll couldn't get in there. Not- on a on a more advanced scale, they're do, they're about to do that when they open up that the resort part of of uh, you know Galaxy, whatever that is down in in Disney World. So, oh really? 
yeah, it's a fully immersive resort. You stay in a hotel, but you look out the window and it looks, looks like it's looking out into space outside of the ship. Huh. You know, and you, you're encouraged to wear the costumes. Everybody's in characters. They talk to you. Yeah, so it, they're doing that, but yeah, it's going to be cool. insanely expensive. I just <laughs> think as a satellite, though, I mean, even if like if you lived in, we'll just say, I don't know, um, Atlanta or maybe um, Dallas, Texas, and you know, you could go to the Harry Potter experience and you go in there and everybody sits, you know, like you're sitting in something that looks like where they play their little game with the little ball that goes around, you know, like you're, you're like you're indoors at some sort of arena thing. And then, you know, Quidditch. Yeah. Quidditch. And they get all the, uh, you know, they get the characters to come out and do a little show and you get to eat like you do at the universal studio. I don't know. I just, I just had that thought the other day. I was like, man, they could probably charge people a hundred dollars, 50 to a hundred bucks a head easily you know, and just pack the place out four nights a week. I mean, right. not that those studios need the money, but it'd just be a huge boost to economies and, you know, jobs. And I mean, what actor, what local actor, say in Dallas or um, even if it's somewhere like Chicago, wouldn't want to go work at somewhere like theirs just to like work on their chops for being, you know, like in a movie for Harry Potter where you're just well, for here or here anyway, either because of all the actors that are here already. Well, yeah, in Atlanta, sure. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. I mean, it could be anything like, you, you know, it could be uh, like if you're, let's say universal open one opens one, you could have seasons of maybe where um, it's Harry Potter. And then maybe it's another type of theme where half the year or whatever, or, you know, maybe if it's Disney that opened up one, you could have um, who owns uh, Indiana Jones is it universal or another entity. I can't remember. No, that was Lucasfilm. So, so Disney has it now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so there could be a, a, a Indiana Jones experience. I mean, I heck, I'd go to it. I don't know. That's just my that was my random uh, idea this week that I had. Disney does have that Indiana Jones stunt show. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it'd be something to me that would be based outside. It would be sort of like satellite experiences where, I mean, and I don't think something like that. If it's just like you know something that you had in Dallas where you go there for a meal and it's just like a, a three hour, you know, two hour experience or something like that. I don't think that that would take away from people wanting to go to places like Orlando or Hollywood just to, you know, get whatever um, yeah. theme park experience. I, I think it would probably add to their brand, so to speak. Right. But yeah, just to, just huh. an idea. I, had. I get these ideas, huh. Jason, you know, what can I say? Interesting. Interesting idea. Yeah. Like I said, it's been, it's done in little forms here and there um yeah but yeah nothing really nothing really concrete yeah so what have you have you been to the star wars adventure whatever it's called adventure in orlando yet no you have not okay i kind of i kind of want to go down there and do it see what it is i mean i mean it may or may not be impressive but i'd like to see it i'm sure i'm sure it's impressive i'm I'm no doubt that it's impressive yeah um i kind of want to wait till they're finished with the resort part of it to maybe see if they add anything else um, but I'm not paying for the thing as cool as that would be. I'm like, there's no way I'm right. paying thousand dollars a night to do that. You know, thousand. Yeah. That'd be pretty, uh, yeah. I mean, but you're getting a whole experience, so I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Yes. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of been our dreams to serve little kids to be able to kind of do that, but not for that price. Um, I'm going to let my friend Mark do it and see what he thinks. Mm-hmm. about it completely and see if it's really worth the amount of money because i don't i don't think it'll stay up at that price i don't think it's going to come down much 
because you're getting the hotel stay, you're getting everything included for that, mm-hmm. including a closet full of costumes that you can choose from to wear. Um, so it's fully immersive. But yeah, I agree. I'm like, uh, it'd be nice to have it on a smaller scale, like you're saying, like like your medieval times, but you know, like instead of medieval times, it's a galaxy far, far away, you know. Imagine Marvel um, doing this. I mean, how oh, many... don't give them, don't give them any ideas, Gene. I mean, my gosh. I mean, oh, gosh, I'm already sure. how Sorry. packed out would it be for people wanting to do it though? I mean, just you know, unbelievable. Um, yeah, making a machine. Yeah. I, mean, I think some people are a little, you know, I don't want burned out by just so much being inundated by Marvel in the last 10 years. Yep. Like before yep. t- before Iron Man, you hardly ever heard anything about Marvel except maybe Blade right. for that one period. <laughs> yeah i mean we had we had movies every now and then and they kept re, you know rebooting other superhero hero things uh-huh. to the point where they had to absorb them into the marvel universe because you know there was really no way to make money without having the, the marvel machine by it i mean and john favreau did a good job reviving all that i, I don't i'm not knocking yeah. it but it's the same movie over and over so yeah no no question iron man is probably one of my favorites of that whole i agree yeah, I agree. Oh, that dude. one was that was so surprisingly good. It brought Robert Downey Jr. back mm-hmm. um, into the limelight, and you know, kind of cool there. But other than that, yeah, I'm like, eh, I'm tired of I'm tired of comic books. We need to think of a new idea, people. <laughs> I'll have an episode one day where we'll talk about those movies just to um, to get it out to get it out there. I mean, I, I kind of like it. I like some of them, not all of them, but I do like some of them and maybe talk I mean, about our favorites. You're going to escape and be entertained and it's, it's fine. Yeah. But for the yeah. most part, I'm not ever in the mood to watch one. So Ant-Man was quite entertaining. I thought it was a good one. Ant-Man was. And I think that was just the actors that they, they cast for that. I think that was brilliantly cast, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, Paul Rudd. And um, I forget the, um, the Hispanic gentleman's name that's in that. I do too, but he is, he is hilarious. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, he had I, me I, think in stitches. He, I think even Evangeline Lilly played a good, a good role. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, um, Michael Douglas. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anytime they can get those veteran actors. I'm surprised Russell Crowe hasn't found his way into the uh, Marvel universe somehow. I mean, he's he if he's gonna play a fat guy, yeah. Oh, he was. He was. He was in the DC. I'm sorry, um, I was gonna say he was in the DC comic movie, but I don't know if they could do some cross contamination there or not. That all depends on the money, I guess. Yeah, because Amelia <laughs> Clark was in a Star Wars movie, so yeah. I'm like, she went from Game of Thrones to Star Wars. She's making some serious money. Man, that. Um, that Justice League movie that's supposed to be on HBO Max, I guess. I've heard it's good. I mean, I saw the original one. I guess this is the director's cut. And somebody said it was really good, but I don't know. I don't know if it's a whole lot longer or not, but I, I can't. I, I can't anymore. I can't watch it. I yeah. can't do it. I, I tried, but I can't. Yeah. Um, I just, I can't. I don't know why. It just has that kind of. Well, it's the kind of thing like. It's just worn out. Yeah. Well, it's like the westerns of the fifties and sixties. After a while, you're kind of like, "All right, I've seen enough westerns," you know. Oh, like, yeah. Right now, yeah. might be a good time to to write a western. You know. I agree with you. I would that would be refreshing because we haven't had a good western since like Three Ten to Yuma, the, but that was a remake, right? Of the original, and then obviously like Open Range with uh, Robert Duvall, yeah, and Kevin Costner. That was a surprisingly good one. And of course, my favorite one being Tombstone. 
we definitely haven't had anything the caliber of Tombstone no. since then. Definitely um, not. I was very disappointed with True Grit. Yeah, it just was kind of odd. What I, mean, I, I really, expected? Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I was I was all all in all disappointed in it. Okay, well, um, sometimes we don't get yeah. to our topic. Sometimes we do, but um, <laughs> <laughs> today's topic was the Beatles. The Beatles. The Beatles. Yes. The Beatles. That's my uh, uh, supposedly the greatest rock and band of all time. Um, you said the greatest rock and roll band of all time? Supposedly the greatest rock and supposedly. roll band of all time. But they're not to you, are they? Uh, no. I mean, I, I obviously respect and admire what they did for music. I mean, hello, music would not be the same without McCartney and Lennon's writing on that uh, and, and their wave of popularity. Um, but I tend to lean on their later stuff you know, than, than their early poppy bubblegum mm-hmm. 60 stuff. I like the, the strange stuff from them. Um, Stranger the better for you. For them. I think, the I think it, I, well, I, I just think it's, it's got more substance to it musically. What would you I consider think, their strangest song? Oh God, their strangest song. Yeah. I mean, come on. I am the walrus. Yeah. Um, that's up there. Um, I was thinking anything. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or I am the Walrus. Yeah, that's true. That one is too. Um, you can tell when drugs were involved. Um, <laughs> you know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. What the heck, you know? Um, I mean, you could say most of the White Album mm-hmm. is also kind of odd. I mean, you know, you've got obviously Helter Skelter, which is about a carnival ride called a helter skelter which is a kind of cone shaped slide the slide that goes around this cone that's what that is when i get to the bottom i go back to the top of the slide that's a helter skelter is what that's called and in britain it's something that come, that shows up like our our you know like the parking lot carnivals here parking mm-hmm. lot fairs that's that would be one of those things that would show up um simply just a slide around a, around a cone basically yeah uh, and uh, you know, of course, and that song getting fame for other reasons, but yeah. um, it's really just about slide. Um, but then you've got piggies on there, and you've got oh gosh, what's the other one? Sexy Sadie, all those weird songs on the on the on the White Album that are just just like what in the but Sexy like, Sadie, Sexy Sadie on there. Um, that song was but, always weird for me because I have a cousin named Sadie. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and then you know, I, I know that Susan Atkins of the Manson clan called herself Sadie. Um, and then they kept calling her sexy Sadie. That was her family name was Sadie. And so they they called her sexy Sadie. And of course, you know, good old Charlie using the using the white album to try to justify a lot of his stuff. Uh, which obviously John Lennon and Paul McCartney were like, uh, what? <laughs> you know, too. But so you got that side of the Beatles. And then you've got the, you know, hard day's night side, you know, and mm-hmm. I want to hold your hand, you know, so sweet. It gives you a cavity kind of songs, <laughs> but that the was gum, also bubble gum pop. Of, right. That was also part of the course of the time. Now to me, their obvious competition was the beach boys and beach boys had better harmony. Hmm. Um, 
And Paul McCartney himself said that God Only Knows was one of the was the greatest song ever written. Paul McCartney said that about Brian Wilson's song, God Only Knows, off of Pet Sounds. So there was a lot of mutual respect there. And, and they knew each other in the old Laurel Canyon scene because they kind of came into the Laurel Canyon scene and bought houses. Um, you know, so people were hanging out at Ringo Starr's house. They were hanging out, you know, as well as like Joni Mitchell's and David Crosby and all those people. So you've got, you got this kind of influx where you can tell that those guys and the Beatles were respectful of everybody else. I'll, you know, I think musically they were very, um, obviously astute and they were also gene if you didn't know this a one take band so most of the songs you hear they had that was in one take no get out of town yeah yep don't lie to me jason um don't lie to me no i'm my brother-in-law backed me up on that um but it's just yeah so i i respect them i you know i we would not be the way we are in rock music without the beatles period Mm -hmm. And without anybody from that time frame, I think obviously, you know, your your early guys in the early fifties, and you you know, when you get Bill Haley and the Comets and all those groups like that, Bill Haley and the Comets who had the first hit really over you know, Rock Around the Clock, and then you have Elvis and all he did, and then you got the Beatles. To me, it's like Elvis, the Beatles, and then who really after the Beatles was the most influential Zeppelin, um, as far as big influence goes. Um, and Zeppelin was only around for 12 years. So it seems like all these big, big influencers have short lifespans as a band. Now you got the Rolling Stones too, which I agree are also up there. Um, I thought, I would have thought you would have said the Rolling Stones were their biggest competition. So I was a little surprised you said the, um, no, because of the the four, because of the four and the times and the time the Beatles came around, it was like direct competition with the Beach Boys. Um, because the Beach Boys were the bubblegum pop surf music of the time. And they had a genius writer. Um, and all of them were very good musically. You know, so now, of course, you had the Beach Boys, the Wilson's crazy father, who, you know, just, just seems to be sometimes some kind of weird, like, influence like that in some bands. Um, but... I think the I think the Beatles like I don't know somebody asked me what my favorite Beatles song was, and I like in my life. Mm, really, you know, I love I love that song. It's simple. In my life, right? I love you more. You know that it just it has a great cadence to it, and it's got that harmony at the beginning that's great. I also like an older song, a sort of older song, Paperback Writer. It's a good one because that one is definitely a 60s sounding song that's your mid 60s almost surf music sounding song um that was kind of i think their nod to the southern california sound i've never thought of that yeah you, th- you listen to it there oh man do you read my book it took me years to write would you take a look i mean it's just got that great it's like constantly moving moving song um hmm. but yeah i think uh I think, you know, I've, like I said, I've got a, I've got a healthy, I've actually got a lot more respect for the Beatles than I used to have. And a lot more of a, a taste for them every now and then. Like they're on some of my mixes, but I'm not going to have, I want to hold your hand on there. I'm not going to have mm. Hard Day's Night. I'm not going to have, you know, any of those, the silly songs from the beginning, even though I know they had to come through that, that period. You think but, that people would have had enough of silly love songs, Jason? Yeah, you think so. Well, what's wrong with that? 
I'd like to know. Never mind. Paul McCartney had to do that one on his own too, you know? (laughs) uh, You know, and that's the thing. Like, I think Wings with Paul McCartney was a great band on its own. I think that that group was phenomenal. That group was just, I mean, it was at the same level, if not in some cases higher. Hey, don't get a, don't get ahead of us, Jason. We're going to do a Wings night. Don't you worry. Yeah, do a Wings night. Wings and Do you show me another podcast that has a, show dedicated to paul mccartney and the wings and i'll show you talk with the now well i look at it like this okay now this is a little weird comparison but in our music time of the 90s there was nirvana right that got everything started did a lot for them obviously different circumstances obviously nirvana is not musically near anywhere near the beatles but what did they spawn they spawned the foo fighters right grunge and we got to be introduced to Dave Grohl and his genius. There's no other way to put it. Dave Grohl's genius because of the, of Nirvana. And I think the Foo Fighters are much better musically than Nirvana ever was. You know? They certainly had more time to, you know, um, mature, just, if you will, and, and kind of come into their own, I guess. I think, yeah. And I think Nirvana was just kind of that blasting off point, but we could do an alternative night some other night, but yeah, I'm that just, will be just, another time. Yeah. Listen to me taking the reins there and go, well, we'll do it on another night, Gene. Well, Dave will, well, you know, Dave Grohl would, he would definitely point to uh, the Beatles as a, um, you know, yeah, another stratosphere, anyways. I think. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the Beatles, their place in history and music history is, is undeniable, you know, and I, yeah. Well, you know what I think um, with regards to the Beatles, um, you know, there were, if you go back and listen to the the 60s music, um, they, that sound that they had, um, we'll call it what you said, the bubble cup, the bubble pop, the bubble, whatever, um, bubble gum pop, pop. Yeah. Sound. You can find it a dime a dozen. You can find right. artist after artist. And a lot of them were imitating the Beatles. A lot of them were trying to do the rockability, rockability sound, of right. the fifties, you know, via Elvis and, um, yeah. Blue suede shoes. I forget his name. Um, Carl Perkins. Yeah. yeah. Carl Perkins and those, and those, and, and Bill Haley and the Bill Haley's and that kind of thing. Cause you can yeah. find so many songs mid sixties. Like I can remember before I even under started understanding music as a teenager where I would hear a song. say, like, Oh, that's the Beatles. And then, so I was like, no, that's not the Beatles. That's actually, you know, right. um, I mean, imitation is the best, you know, is the greatest form of flattery, but you well, know, it's also, it's also where, what people wanted to hear at the time. Right. Um, and that was just the culture of it. I mean, the beach boys were a little different sound, but they still had, they were a bubble gum type, but they but were a sim- surf, similar thing. Well, it was a surf twist, you know? Right. Well, I mean, think of Jan and Dean. I mean, they were sort of like right the there, you know, right, right there. I, I guess you would call it imitating, imitating, um uh, homaging maybe you know yeah him, sort of saying you know hey tipping our hat hey you found a good thing you know like you you found a way to make a great car let's make a similar car that we like in our right. own style <laughs> exactly yeah no reason to reinvent the wheel at that point yeah right and you look at you look at other things like you look at the instrumental side of it and you got dick dale talk about surf if you nobody can talk about surf music without dick dale being involved the mm-hmm. guitarist and just amazing you know just an amazing he just actually recently died like what a year and a half two years ago um but you know the the theme to pulp fiction there that that guitar thing that was him i mean he just has that whole 
scene down. Um, yeah. and then Jason, you keep going back to the Beatle. I mean, the, the Beach Boys. <laughs> because they well, because it's the time frame. It's the same time frame is what I'm trying right. to show you. Like, the Beatles had to come in with that kind of sound to make any kind of splash. If they'd have come in, like, not that they would have because they musically matured, but say if they'd have came in with Strawberry Fields back in 1963 <clears throat> oh, or no, something, no, they'd have, no, no, definitely. you know what I'm saying? Nobody would have done it. So I want to hold your hand was there. That was their um, coronation. Would that be the right word? Yeah. For coming yeah. to America, you know, on, oh, well, like I imitated earlier on the um, Ed Sullivan show. Right. Exactly. I think they did. Yeah. I want to hold your hand on that, that show. Yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Um, and, you know, that, that had to be done. So I respect when the band, you know, evolves, um, but don't lose their sound. They didn't, the Beatles ever actually never lost that Beatles sound. It just became came a different a different band and yeah i don't know i just think there's it's you know it's kind of sad that they never did get back together while everybody was alive um mm -hmm. you know and various ones had their own solo careers i think john, you know john lennon had his own stuff even though i can't stand it um and but i think paul mccartney obviously had the best career outside of the beatles of anybody um you know, Ringo Starr, all he's got to photograph. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's a song hey, title. You know it don't come easy. Good song. Hello, you know it don't come easy. Uh, don't come easy. No. Um, well, you know what I'm going to do is you know, I'm, I am going to do this into a two-parter. We're, we're not going to try to cover everything tonight. But um, right. back to the Beatles, I do want to say, though, that um, I've, I've thought about this. You know, the Beatles are not my favorite band. I don't necessarily have a favorite band. As far as rock goes, maybe Led Zeppelin, right. probably Led Zeppelin. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, pure rock music. Um, but the Beatles were easily in the top five of that of that uh, genre. But when I think about <laughs> them and the 19, so like you were saying, I think that um, all good bands, whether it be the Foo Fighters or Eagles or the Eagles yeah. or, you know, um, nirvana pearl jam uh you know yeah. any, any band like like you said even one of my favorite probably probably my favorite band might be you too they all evolve and they might. go from you know <laughs> probably is uh they um but they all evolve i mean i they they start out like you said i mean the beatles started out as trying to be like elvis they wanted to be elvis and they wanted to be like the blues singers that they right. had bought their records of and so you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that way you the way you get into an industry or a business is through you learn how to do it from the masters. You learn how to yep. sing a Chuck Berry song. You learn how to sing, you know, a doo wop song. You know, you're trying to imitate that. So you so they would play those clubs over and over and over and over again and get good at it, and get it good at it. Then they finally get noticed. And then they finally, after so much work over so many years, they finally, you know, land that record deal. Yep. And then and then it takes several, you know, takes several years even after they landed the deal of doing those, you know, this is what the record company wants you to do and so they, you know, they did what they were asked and then yep. like you said, then they said, you know what? We're going to do we've we've reached that, you know, we didn't start from the top down. We're starting from the bottom up. We've reached our, you know, maturity level. We're going to do what we want to do. You know, we're not going to tour anymore, but we're going to go in the studio and experiment and do what we want to do. Kind of like right. an artist might, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, I, 
I mean, I agree. There's like, and you see people morph. Like, I, you know, YouTube is a good example. Um, somebody that, you know, a band that's been touring for a long time and has been making music for a long time. And yes, you can tell early U2 stuff, but guess what? It's still U2. It still sounds like U2. Even their new stuff is, it still has that signature that is them. They haven't like completely switched the style or any of that. Now they'll, they'll jump into some stuff, you know, that's a little different mm-hmm. along the way, I think, but largely, you know, when you hear that kind of beat and that guitar that it, that it's you too. It's that kind of like Boston. Boston's the same way. You can tell it's Boston immediately, you know, or some of those bands that are like that. And again, with the Beatles, you can tell it's the Beatles. Even when you're, you know, talking about we all live in the yellow submarine, it still has that heart, that, that harmony and that sound because it's the same guys and that's their sound. It's just morphed. Mm-hmm. in a different song and i think it's it's um it's like you said you know you've got to have you got to make your start you got to do what the record company wants you to do unfortunately um in a lot of cases um yeah but i think the beat definitely the beatles definitely rose above that and obviously it's a shame they can only be together for you know as long as they were which was not very long honestly when you look back at how long the beatles were together for the impact that they made and are still making is insane. You know, mm-hmm. it really is. You know, it's coming out this year. Nine years or something. Yeah. You know, what's coming out this year. What's that? Uh, get back. It's a, um, Peter Jackson is do mm-hmm. redoing or improving the old, let it be, um, um, film that was done in 1969. Mm. I don't know if you, are you, have you seen that or um, heard of it before? I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it kind of, you know, bootlegged out there on, you know, things like, um, you know, like YouTube or YouTube, you can find clips and stuff like that of it. But um, it's, to me, it's interesting to watch because it really shows what they were like during, I think it was the, um, the white album and the um, Abbey road sessions mainly. And probably some of the let it be, but it's really cool to watch their, their dynamic and what they were doing. But I think that that the, the new the new film is going to have more footage and it's going to be a lot bigger and broader. I think, and I want to say it's coming out in August, so mm. that might be when I have to go see. Well, the you theater. know, it's interesting to look at like some of those albums that are just a little over fifty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your White Album and and Let It Be, you know, being right after one another. Um, I'm not Let It Be, uh, Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just interesting time. I don't want to say time intersections and event intersections because we know we know a bunch of stuff in our history happened in 1969. You know, tons of stuff, right? You know, you got your moon landing. You've got, you know, um, well, the year before Kennedy being assassinated, uh, Robert Kennedy, right? And then, I mean, obviously MLK that one too, but I'm I'm saying like 1969 right. had a bunch of stuff happening. Woodstock happened in '69, later in '69. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, you know, the Manson murders, which actually happened on the day they shot that same that picture for the front of Abbey Road. That was the exact same mm-hmm. day. Isn't that crazy how time intersects? I was like, what? Yeah. Because they were in, 
you while they were at Abbey Road Studios, and that's when John Lennon was like, "Well, our song didn't tell anybody to go stab people to death," you know. So it's weird how they're um, like when I think of the Beatles in the late '60s, yeah. it doesn't have that late '60s sound to me in a lot of ways. Um, yes, really? they did the psychedelic thing, but like you know, a lot of times in '69. 68 69 you had things like crosby stills and nash you know you had the protest movement songs you know you had the vietnam songs and that sort of thing whereas to me the beatles were i mean they they dealt kind of in that yeah yeah they i mean they kind of did but to me a lot of ways they were sort of brits they were kind of doing british they wanted to do british experimental type music that sort of um yeah express whatever it was that they want you know i mean i know that they were all about the peace and love and and that whole thing. But to me, they were not like, say, for instance, you know, your typical kind of uh hate Ashbury type band in any way. True. Um, although they hung out with a lot of those people, which, you know, mm-hmm. and that was more the Laurel Canyon side of it, which is your Crosby, Stills and Nash and all of them. Um, whereas hate Ashbury is obviously your CCR and Grateful Dead and all those guys and Jefferson airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, all those bands that came out of there, like those are two big areas. Right. But you're, you're right. Two different sounds. And they had um, already stopped touring by that point too. So they, in some ways they were somewhat semi-retired. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. I didn't, I forgot about that part. I think, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting to, to try to dissect such a seminal group in history, like the Beatles, like yeah. everybody thinks about rock and roll. You think, okay, Elvis, the Beatles, you know, even though there's gazillion other bands from back then, but those two are right. And so why is that? Why, why are the Beatles that high up? Mm-hmm. You know, I think like, it's worth it doing just, a podcast was, over. Sorry. I think, I think it was the craze more, even more than just the fact that the guys were talented, which they were, they were amazingly talented, but it was the craze that followed them. You know, it was that, you know, we always see the screaming girls at the airport. Our days you know? night. Yeah, we look at that and we go, okay, you know, what caused that? Why? You know, it was just something that because people back then, I mean, we, you know, we we take our media for granted as far as access now. I mean, you know, you went in and you or you listened to the radio, you heard something on the radio, you went and bought the 45, and that was your you, you know, you own that piece of music, you own that part of it. And so it became part of you. It's, it's an art form and people let the Beatles into their lives a lot more than they let other bands at the time. And, and I think that was um, very integral in them. Some literally cementing, I mean, not literally, but as close to literally as you can figuratively <laughs> cementing yes. their place, you know, um, you know, putting their tiny town of Liverpool on the map because nobody else, nobody go to Liverpool for any other reason. Normally. Yeah. I mean, they might as well have been from like, you know, um, Montana. Right. You know, it's like Liverpool is an industrial city, but now people go to Liverpool. Liverpool has a tourism industry because of the Beatles. You know, they, there's no other reason. And, and you know, to sit there and I, I don't know if you ever watched. Did you watch um, Paul McCartney's Carpool Karaoke with James Corden? That one? Oh, no, I have not seen that one. Oh, you need to look that up. That to me was the best because they're in Liverpool doing oh, cool. it. cool taking him around to all the places like um, oh you know i may have actually seen part of it or i saw it a long time ago one time and didn't oh you know gosh, pay a lot of attention to it yeah so good it makes you like 
Yeah, and Paul McCartney, you know, he shows up at his the historic spot that is his old house, and the lady's like, "Oh my gosh!" The lady mm-hmm. running the museum is like, "Oh no, it really is Paul." And he was telling him, you know, jumped out, woke up, jumped out of bed, grabbed a comb across my head. He's like, "That's what right. I was doing here." Trying to, he said, "I was just trying to make it to the bus, and it was always hard for me to get everything ready and get to the bus." You just you get more of a personal feeling on him because we think of them as these guys up in the stratosphere, especially Paul McCartney. I mean, come on, who's just celebrating what is. Mm-hmm. 77th birthday i think maybe something um, like that oh 75th or something anyway no 79th i think yeah, he's something like that he's up he's yeah he's up there and you know so you 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 think of him up on this pedestal but to see him in that setting like just showing james corden around his hometown you know like how i cool think i that? did see that i just like, I, I need to go back and watch it because i forgot a lot of what he did in that one but it was good you right. drove around penny lane and showed him the barbershop mm-hmm. and the bus stop and all that so you know like it's like these are real things he wrote about and that kind of makes it even better to know that and I, I i got a little bit more of appreciation after literally after that oh, car, yeah. cool karaoke you know it's just kind of cool and to watch him get so emotional when he was playing hey jude at the Olympics opening ceremonies in London, he was tearing up playing that. Paul McCartney was tearing up from the emotions inside. I mean, that was just awesome. I've you been know, a Paul McCartney to, fan for years. Um, and I just, I think he, he took his stuff from the Beatles and just refined it into his, his art form. And, you know, it was a shame about his, you know, his wife dying, Linda, you know, and. Oh yeah. Just, you know, my mom even talks about it. Mom's not a huge Beatles person, but she talks about how much she could, you could tell that they loved each other and that it was like this really sad thing. But he, you know, he's, he's obviously been to me one of the most successful artists. And I think he's, you know, he's right up there. He's one of the greater songwriters of, of all time. I would say he's definitely in the top 10. Right. Um, well, I won't get into it, but. I do think um, from what I've seen on interviews and observed from reading about him and things like that, that um, he was not for all intents and purposes, the uh, for all intents and purposes, I believe had Paul had his way, you would have had the Beatles going all the way into the eighties. Like it was, it was his home. It was what he liked and what he wanted to continue yeah. doing, but you know, we can get into that. (laughs) They might have been like the Rolling Stones right now. We'd be still hearing about Beatles concerts going on, you know? Yeah, possibly. Um, Well, let's do it. Well, Hey, let's do this. We'll do a part two of the Beatles because I think we got a lot more to to unpack. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got to use that word. We're going to, I don't know. How else would you say unpack? uh, Take out? Uh, Distribute? Something like that. Jason is shaking his head for the uh, listener. Elaborate. Yes. Elaborate. Yes. Explain um, more thoroughly. Yes. I think it needs to do. I think we need a part two, but we did. We did do. Yeah, a, I agree with you. We did a, what do you call it? A flyby, an overview, as they right, say. That's more of a, corporate. Yeah, that's a 30,000 foot view of the Beatles. Yeah. Thank you. 30,000. Hey, so. Any other final thoughts on our part one of the Beatles? No, just, uh, you know, like I said, they're not my favorite band, but it's not because I don't like them, if that makes sense. You know, it's not because I don't like them or respect okay. them. I like and respect them. They're just, it's not always my favorite band. I mean, I think in rock and roll, it would be obviously Led Zeppelin, but came well, around the end. 
yeah. but it's a different kind of music too. You, you know the what? Beatles the Beatles have their own. Mm-hmm. They Beatles have their, their own genre almost of rock. You know, they may not be my favorite band, but I do think that they might be the most influential band and one of the best bands. You know. Yeah, I would have to say so. Um, I would I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So anyway, well, any um, oh I do have I, I let me show you this. So I have been getting back into drawing some and I've been watching YouTube videos and um, there's this book that um, apparently animators say you must buy if you want to get into um, doing animation. And I was always into like drawing animations as a kid stuff. And this thing, look how thick this is. This is called the animator survival kit. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) This is like a $16 book. And it's over 377 pages, but it has oh, wow. like, it has like all these illustrations and how to, Oh yeah. Uh, Your step-by-step you know. step how to do. Oh, nice. I just thought it'd be fascinating to like read through yeah. it. This guy, the guy that wrote this did the uh, who framed Roger rabbit. Um, he was the man, I guess the head illustrator on that. Oh yeah. the head. Yeah. Nice. Richard Williams. He said he was director of animation for uh, who framed Roger rabbit. But uh, just reading the first part of it, and this will be a cool topic one day, but he gets into um, how he became an animator and that he was animating, that he learned a lot of his craft under a guy named, um, the guy's name is here. It's right here. I'd never heard of him before, but uh, Ken Harris was the animator apparently for um, Warner Brothers, I believe, for a while. One of the top animators back in the old days. So anyway, that's another well, that time. Kind of make, it kind of makes sense with his Who Framed Roger Rabbit then, yeah. Because it's yeah. very reminiscent of Warner Brothers, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, good talking to you today, Jason. And uh, glad nice. you're doing well. And uh, maybe next week we'll pick it up again with uh, the Beatles. The Beatles! The Beatles, yes. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later. All right.